hello and welcome to the Hard to Handle Sports Podcast. This is episode number 62. My name is Ismael San Juan. Thank you so much for being here. Alexander Severev wins the Cincinnati Open, defeating Rublev in two straight sets. The U.S. Open is less than a week away. Who is going to win it? Jacksonville Jaguars running back Travis Etienne is out for the season with a Linz Frank injury. New York Knicks, Nerlens Noel is suing Rich Paul. That's some crazy stuff right there. In the Premier League, after two weeks, Chelsea looks like the most dominant team. They play against Liverpool this Saturday. We'll touch on that. All of that on this episode of the Hard to Handle Sports Podcast. Let's get started. Alexander Severev, Sasha, he is in the form of his life. 11 straight wins, another ATP Masters 1000 victory. He defeats Rublev in two straight sets, looking like the better player, completely overpowering Rublev with his forehand, with his serves. He was just on fire. Um, the match was over in 59 minutes, I believe. It was less than an hour. It was a quick match. Um, I'm just very impressed by Severev. After losing the U.S. Open last year, after being up 2-0 and losing in that way, in that manner, to be able to bounce back within a year, win the Olympics, win the Cincinnati, and he won some other Masters 1000s throughout this year. So it's just very impressive by Severev. Um, it looks like he's matured. It looks like he's uh, he's not just a great player um, with the skills, with the way he moves, with his forehand, with the servings. He's also, it looks like he's finally getting the mental part of the game. And I think it was very apparent when he when he was down two breaks against Tsitsipas in the third set, and it kind of looked like he was down and out. It looked like Tsitsipas had fought back to win the second set. It looked like he was in control of the third set. It looked like it was over. It looked like it was done. Maybe a Severev of past would have lost that one, but he dug deep. He came back down two breaks and won against Tsitsipas, another really good player. And in the final, he just looks dominant. 6-2, 6-3, victory, victory over Andrew Rublev. Rublev, who is now 0-5 against Severev, had taken off Medvedev. So he, I mean, Rublev had a great week too in Cincinnati. He had He had a good, you know... He had a good tournament, and Severev, who had never won a match in Cincinnati, I think he was 0-6 going into the Cincinnati Open all-time in Cincinnati, just had a great week. He's, they asked him after the match if he was playing the best tennis of his career, and he said, ask me that again in three weeks, meaning we'll see, because I'm pretty sure Severev, he's won some he's won some uh, ATP Masters 1000s. Um, he's now, I think, tied for ninth place all-time since uh, the Masters 1000 started, I believe, in 1990 with five. I think I read that somewhere. So good for Severev, but he knows what the goal is. He wants to win a major. He wants to win the U.S. Open. He wants to win one of these majors. And the U.S. Open is coming. Djokovic, obviously, is a heavy favorite. We'll touch on that in a little bit. But Severev, I believe, he's playing one of the best tennis in his career. He's looking dominant. He, he has that confidence from winning a gold medal. A gold medal, man, that could do a lot for you. It did a lot for Nadal. It did a lot for previous players before. So I'm just, it did a lot for Murray. It's, and it looks like it's doing a lot for Severev right now. He's He has all the confidence in the world. He believes in himself. He could be down two breaks. He could be down a set. It looks like Severev is just his mental, the mental part of his game is just finally maturing. He's now the fourth ranked player in the world. Moving ahead of Nadal, Nadal unfortunately did uh, announce that he's going to be out for the season. 
he's not going to play until 2022. So hopefully Nadal recovers and we're able to see him back on tour, back to, you know, being the physical, tenacious player that we know he is. But in the meantime, Severev, it looks like he's taking the throne of, you know, the best player from that next generation. Obviously, Tsitsipas is still there. Medvedev, he's, he's, he had a great tournament in Toronto. He's still 25 years old. Um, Rublev is 23. It looks like he's stepping it up too. Berrettini, 25. We'll see what Shap- Shapovalov does. There's other players out there that, you know, have great potential and they've done great stuff too. But for my book, Savrev looks like he's he's the one. He's the one that's going to step up and, and take that next that next step and take to try to take the crown away from Djokovic right now because we talk about the big three, but, man, it, it's starting to seem like it's a big one. I've seen comments out there where people say, what big three? It's only a big one. And it's kind of hard to dispute that, man. Nadal is out of uh, for the season. It looks like Federer, he's recovering. He's having knee surgery again. He's trying to make a comeback. But it looks like the last man standing out of big three is Novak Djokovic. And, you know, who's going to take him down? It, it, it's, it's becoming um, harder and harder for the other two of the big three to take him down. It's, it's looking like, you know, they're getting older. Their body's taking a lot of wear and tear. It, it looks like it's gonna have to be somebody else to bring him down, to take that number one spot, to to to, to start taking um, majors away from him. It, it looks like it's gonna have to be somebody else. It looks. Hopefully, I'm wrong. Hopefully, you know we see a comeback. Rafael Nadal, his body starts giving up on him, and his foot finally starts nagging him, and he's able to get back on tour in 2022, and we see the best Nadal, or one of the best forms of Nadal that we've seen. But for Federer, it's looking, it's looking harder and harder with his age. He's already 40. It's, it's already amazing that he's still playing at this at this age. But it's, it's looking like more and more rare for Federer to have a elite comeback. Like, I, I, don't, I don't think he's going to fail and he's not going to be good anymore. I think he's still going to be a, <clears throat> a top 10 player or compete at a highest level and get far into tournaments. But the Federer that we know, that we love, um, and the one that's always going to be competing for titles it's looking harder and harder for him to come back and Nadal a little less hard but you know that foot injury that keeps nagging him it's been nagging him his whole career so what I'm trying to say is it looks like Djokovic is the last one standing for the big three hopefully I'm wrong but that's just the way it looks as it looks like as of today and one of these young guns is going to have to eventually bring him down Sevrev took him down in the semifinals of the Olympics, he's beaten him before. He has, you know, he, he's skilled. He has all the talents in the world to take that next step. And like I said, it looks like he finally has his mentals right. And that's exciting. That's exciting if you're a Severe fan. That's exciting if you're a German, you know, German fan that supports, you know, your your hometown hero, your your national hero. But it's also exciting if you're just a tennis fan. Uh, you know, I know there's a lot of tennis fans that are kind of worried. They're kind of um, skeptical about what's coming next. After the big three, like, is it still going to be fun? Is it still going to be exciting? Like, are, have we been spoiled these last 10, 15, 20 plus years with the big three? Like, what's what's after this? The the next chapter in tennis looks a little daunting. It looks a little scary. And I agree. It's After you've been blessed with seeing the probably the three greatest players of all time in the same era, you're scared of what's going next once they retire. You don't want them to ever retire. You don't want them to get old. You don't want their body to start failing on them. But it's inevitable. So we got to root these these young guys on. And for my book, 
Savarev is 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 that guy. He's the one that I'm I'm probably gonna root for the most. He's the one that looks like he's ready to take that next step. And we'll see. He he's had a great couple months back to back. He has he's had a great summer. Olympics, Cincinnati. We'll see how he wraps it up in the U.S. Open. I can't wait. But speaking of the U.S. Open, it is right around the corner. We are less than a week away from the U.S. Open. Some people call it the the greatest tennis tournament that we have today. Others, you know, uh, you know that could, they could say that that's American bias that it's the Wimbledon, that even the French Open is more important than the, U- than the U.S. Open. Wherever you rank the U.S. Open, you can't deny that you're excited for it, and it's a big spectacle. And we're all just excited to have, you know, packed packed stadiums, fans there, hear the rumbling, hear the buzzing. And I'm I'm super excited. I can't wait to tune in. After watching, you know, the French Open and Wimbledon, and ha- I, I myself live in the U.S., so having to adapt to those time changes, it's gonna be a welcome sight to, to have matches played in American time. Sorry for all the international people. If you guys are listening to this or watching this, it's your turn to wake up early, and it's your turn to you know go to sleep late to catch some games. For me, now I'm excited to catch some 11 a.m. games, some 3 p.m. games. So I'm very excited for that. And I'm also excited, you know, to see the talent on the field, the U.S. Open. Um, who do I think is going to win? Man, well, Djokovic, he's a heavy favorite. Uh, no surprise there. Uh, Vegas has him at minus 150. You bet 100. You have to bet 150 to win 100. After that, Medvedev and then Sevrev, T.C. Paz, Berrettini, Sinner, Rublev, Karasej, Ronig, Shapovalov, uh, FFA, Andy Murray is it's in the what one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve he's a 12th favorite so you know all your usual suspects Nick Kyrgios 15th I believe so all your usual all your usual suspects are there um Djokovic like I said he's the heavy favorite as he should be he's going for that calendar grand slam Medvedev he's had a great year too Savarev like I've spoken earlier He's in the form of his life. It's going to be a good tournament, regardless if Nadal and Federer are not there, which is very unfortunate. Um, I just want to see. I hope we get to see another Grand Slam with the big big three, all healthy, all in form, all just competing for the Grand Slam to add to their tally, to add to the record books. But for now, we'll have to settle for Djokovic going for history, being the first one to get to 21 being uh going for the calendar grand slam which in of itself it's a crazy accomplishment he's going for the one one of the best seasons if not the best season ever and it's it's Djokovic against the field like we've been saying like I've been saying since the French Open and Wimbledon it's Djokovic against the field um and it's crazy like there's it's really crazy when you think about it. like you take Djokovic against the field any day any like it's just he's that good he's in that good of a form he's playing exceptional tennis but but I think I'm gonna have to go out on a limb and say that I don't think he's gonna win it I and I've been rooting for him I, I've been rooting for Djokovic I, I said he was gonna win Wimbledon he did I, I thought he was gonna win two gold medals at the Olympics he didn't so I'm I'm just trying to say I'm not a Djokovic hater I know there's a lot of people out there that like to hate on him there's a lot of Djokovic defenders that you know are gonna watch this and probably dislike the video or you know comment below and say he's the greatest ever and He's the best thing since sliced bread, and I get it. He's an amazing player, but like I've spoken earlier before, like I said before, I think I think Severev's time is coming. And after losing the U.S. Open up two sets last year, uh, I think he I think he gets it together this year. I think 
He's 11 straight wins going into the U.S. Open. That serve is on point. That backhand is on point. That forehand's on point. It, the movement is there. His, his head, his mental part of the game is just in another level. And I think Severev gets his first Grand Slam and prevents Djokovic from getting the calendar Grand Slam. And we're going to see him hoisting that U.S. Open trophy at the end of this tournament. What was September, like 10th or something? Whenever the tournament ends, I think it's going to be Severev. I know it might seem crazy. I know Djokovic fans are going to be calling me names. They're going to say I'm dumb. I don't know what I'm talking about, but I just feel it, man. I feel the momentum. I feel I, I feel Severev just taking his game to that next level. When he was down two breaks in the final deciding third set against TC Paz, and he came back and he never gave up. That was when I was like, okay, this is a different sever. He, he's ready. He's he's ready to take that next step. He's ready to be the man. And sure enough, he took care of Rublev in the final. And the way he came back against Djokovic in the Olympics too, like I still have that match ingrained in my head. How he was down a break in the second set and just went on a roll and just completely demoralized Djokovic, basically snatched his heart out of him. Um, and Djokovic you know, started throwing some tantrums and he lost his composure. And we don't see Djokovic lose his composure too much, especially nowadays that he's, you know, the number one player. He's been the number one player for a while. He's had one of the best years ever, if not the best year. We we just don't see Djokovic lose his composure like that in 2021. And for Severev to do that, for to dig deep and come back against, Sev, against um, Djokovic in the semifinal of the Olympics, down a break in the second set, and then to come back in the third set against T.C. Paz, it, it just, like the announcer said, like the tennis channel interviewed him after the Cincinnati Open. And they're like, dude, you're playing the best tennis in your career. And it could have been so easy for him to just be like, hey, I feel like I am. You know, you're right. I feel it myself. 11 straight wins. I just won gold. I just won um, the Cincinnati Open and Masters 1000. It, it could have been so joyous. So, you know, so such a a me moment and no one would have blamed him you just won a, a big big tournament like the cincinnati open one of the most prestigious tournaments that's not a um a grand slam and he deflected he 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 has goals he knows what his goals are and he he straight up told him he's like hey ask me that question again in three weeks and the way he showed respect to rublev as a fellow player that he grew up with the way he didn't celebrate shouted out his brother there's just so many so many characteristics that I, I am, I'm really liking about Severev right now. Have, telling his brother happy birthday. The spotlight's not all on him. Showing immense respect for Rublev. Telling him that he's a great player and they're going to continue to um, compete in the biggest stages. Even bigger than the Cincinnati Open. And, and then he caught himself. It was a funny moment. If you guys didn't see it, it was pretty funny. He was like, oh, and, and maybe even bigger than this. And then he caught himself. He's like, not to say that the Cincinnati Open final is not a big... Um, it's not a big stage. I'm just saying, like, you know, we're going to keep competing in bigger and big stages. And then the crowd laughed. And, then, you know, everyone kind of knew that, like, hey, we know what you're saying. Like, you don't have to apologize or, you know, explain yourself. But he did. And it just shows how aware he is, how aware he is. And like I said, I'm really enjoying Severus' game right now. I'm enjoying how he's carrying himself. I'm enjoying how focused he is. He's so set on what he wants to accomplish. And that's just very very entertaining for me 
and it's making me a very big fan of him and i hope he wins the u.s open uh, i wouldn't mind if he doesn't Djokovic just completes the calendar grand slam i wouldn't mind that at all so if anyone decides to you know write some comments and say that i don't know what i'm talking about I, this is just my opinion my per my prediction obviously not all of us could be right um one of us are going to be wrong. I was wrong with the with the Olympics. I thought Djokovic was going to win two gold medals, and he won none, no medals. So I'm just saying I really like what Severev is doing right now. He's, he's, in, he's in hot, fiery form, and I think he's going to win his first Grand Slam, and it's going to be the U.S. Open this year. And we could revisit this. I'll make some videos as the U.S. Open goes. He, he, you know, tennis is unpredictable he might even get upset in one of the early rounds and i look like a dumbass and i'll come on here and i'll take it on the chin but like i said his game the way he's carrying himself the way he's just very aware of where he's at right now and the form that he's on and he's not carrying himself like he he's you know he's amazing he's he's so humble he's he's hungry and i want to see this man succeed and obviously if he doesn't win this year it's not the end of the world i mean it could crush him it could crush him if he gets to a final he loses back to back but the way he's carrying himself the way i i see Severov, i think he's he has a bright future and if it's not this year he's definitely gonna get one eventually but i just really think it's gonna be this year but let me know let me know what you guys think obviously the most common answer should be djokovic and you know vegas odds reflect that so i'm expecting a lot of djokovic answers but let me know what you guys think there's other players there. Medvedev, he definitely has a chance. He, he's good on hardcore. Uh, he just won the Toronto Open. You know, TC Paz, Berrettini, they're, they're big hitters. We'll see. Maybe even Shapovalov could have another run, but he hasn't been impressing as of late. Uh, Andy Murray, you know, I'm just kidding. But let me know what you guys think. Who do you guys think is going to win the U.S. Open, which is less than a week away? You guys should all be excited because I am very, very excited. The Jacksonville Jaguars running back Travis Etienne is out for the season with the Lince Frank injury that he suffered against the Saints. Oh, my God. I just feel very, very um, sad for Jaguar fans, for the state of Florida, for anyone that, you know, fantasy owners of Etienne is very, very sad to see this man go down. The Jaguars as a whole, as a team, and offense, they're not very speedy. They don't have a lot of weapons. They don't have too many players they can rely on to, you know, break one open, go the distance. You know, sometimes it's good to have a great offense that could methodically go down the field, go on eight plus, 10 plus plays, drives, and, you know, take your offense down the field. But it's also it's also important to have big, quick hitters. As we've seen, the Chiefs, the Chiefs could do it both ways. They could go march down the field, or they could hit Tyreek Hill for 80. They could hit, you know, one of, the, one of their other speedsters. Even Travis Kelsey could go for 50 yards and just blow the game open. And you're like, whoa. Like they, just, they just marched down the field. <laughs> Why are we going back on offense? Um, it's just crazy. You got to be able to hit the big plays, and the Jaguars don't have too many players that could do that. And, you know, Travis Etienne, he was supposed to be that guy for them. Uh, he started the the offseason with uh, running wide receiver drills, they looked at him as like, you know, a, a do-it-all. I'm with Le'Veon Bell, 2.0, kind of. Wide receiver, running back, everything. Some wildcat, I'm pretty sure. The, 
they were going to have this man do everything. He was going to be their jack of all trades with uh, Robinson. Um, but I guess not. It, it looks like, you know, there was other plans. And hopefully he comes back next year um, stronger than ever. Uh, I did see on NFL Network that because he didn't make the 53-man roster and he was put on IR, there's no way he could come back this season. So that is that is it for Etienne. There's not going to be a late season, you know, addition to the Jaguars if they're in playoff contention or if they're one of the teams that does make the playoffs. Uh, he's done for the season. And, man, I just feel for Lawrence, you know, his college teammate got brought in and a weapon that could help him develop. He, he goes to the worst team in the NFL. He needs weapons. He needs players. He needs people to help him, out, you know, in his development. It can't just be him by himself. But it looks like he's going to have to carry the load. And uh, I feel for the man because, you know, we see what, we see the Bear fans asking for Justin Fields. We see the Niners asking for Trey Lance. Um, rightfully so. Like, if I was a fan of both teams, I would be asking for both of them. But for the Jaguars, it's going to be it's going to be Lawrence, and they're going to expect a lot out of him. And, man... To not do it with a with a weapon like a TN is just it's rough. I don't wish that on him. Uh, he does have James Robinson, so they should still be good at the running back position. But Etienne TN was gonna give them so much more, uh, so much more speed. He runs a four 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 five forty compared to uh, James Robinson, who runs in the four sixes, I believe I saw. So just a different speed, and he he's. He's quicker on the field than that four four, in my opinion. He moves, he moves faster. He's shifty. He's he's elusive. He's like Kamara. He, he could do everything. He's electrifying. He he looks so smooth with the ball in his hands. So it's just unfortunate for the Jaguars. Uh, man, I just feel for you. If you're a Jaguars one, I, I feel for you. I mean, I think Lawrence should still be good. Like he was hyped up. He is one of the best quarterback prospects ever to make it to the NFL so I still think he's he's made some amazing throws in the preseason he's he's made some throws rolling to the right rolling to the left across his body and it looks like he has good touch it looks like he's you know it's going to translate to the NFL but it just gets harder and harder you know and for the Jaguars who you know they're not one of the perennial playoff teams in the NFL they're not one of the teams that have a lot of long history of winning it just seems like, you know, it's just bad luck after bad luck after bad luck for them. And it looks like they just keep losing that, that Jalen Ramsey trade, too. Etienne was one of those first-round picks. They used another one on an edge rusher last year, and he didn't really work out. He started three games for them last year and didn't really do much, didn't really um, contribute. It was uh, uh, Kay LaVon Chaseon, and he had, like, one sack. I think he played, like, 13 games. So not the return that you want to get for him. That was the other first-round pick. Travis Etienne was the first-round pick this year, and he's out for the season. Meanwhile, Jalen Ramsey is being an all-pro, being a pro voter with the Rams. So you tell me who won that trade. I feel for the Jaguars. I feel, I feel for Etienne. Uh, you know, to, and for anyone to get hurt in the preseason is just it's sad. You hate to see it. It's one of the worst things that could happen to a football player, getting hurt in a game that doesn't matter. But you know he's young. It's a foot injury, so that's scary for a running back. But I think he, I think he should be fine. I think he'll come back in 2022, and you know it'll help the Jaguars um, be better in 2022. But I just hope 
this doesn't hurt Trevor Lawrence too much because, you know, that team is not stacked by any means. He needed all the weapons he could get. And to lose, you know, a dynamic, not even, I don't, I don't even want to label him a running back. I just want to call him a playmaker. To lose a dynamic playmaker like Etienne before the season even starts, you can't even get your feet wet. You can't even, like, you know, have a nice check down. Your college teammate, he's, he was going to bring a nice level of comfort for Trevor Lawrence you know, to just see his teammate out there, you know, just make him feel like he's at home, make him feel like he's in college where he was, you know, dominating college football and just make him feel relaxed. You know, I could do this. My boy Tien right here and me, we, we were running shit. Like, we were doing this. This was, this is what we do. We just make shit happen. And now Tien is, is gone. He's done for the season. Hopefully he stays around the team to bring morale, you know, pump up Trevor Lawrence, be there, be his teammate that he was for him. But what do you guys think? Uh, are the Jaguars going to be fine? Do they still have an outside chance, you know, to maybe be a competitive team? What's your prediction for them? Uh, I'm going to make my predictions for the NFL soon because the season is coming up. But, you know, it's looking hard for the Jaguars. I don't expect them to be uh, an important team in 2021. I, no offense to Jaguars fans. No offense to, you know, Trevor Lawrence fans, James Robinson's fans. I just I just don't see them being uh, – an important team uh and by important i just mean a team that's like you know you you circle their matches week week 12 13 all their games matter and you're starting to see who lines up against them or who's even playing spoiler i just think there's just not they're a couple years away that roster needs more help um you got to give it time to you know for it to build trevor lawrence is a good starting point it looked like a team was going to be a good starting point too but We'll wait till 2022, and uh, I feel for you, Jaguars fans, <sighs> the sports world could be cruel sometimes. You could feel like it's, why us again? Why are the injury bugs hurting us again? It just feels like some teams just get hurt more than others, and it's just unlucky. Sometimes it could be preparation other times, but this one seems like it was just you know, a freak injury. Just, it wasn't supposed to happen, but it did. So I feel for it, Tien. Hope you come back stronger than, than ever. And good luck to the Jaguars. Good luck to Trevor Lawrence. Wish you the best in 2021, even though I don't expect the most from you guys. And in other news, the New York Knicks, Nerlens Noel, is suing Rich Paul from Clutch Sports, claiming that he lost him $58 million in potential salary. This is crazy news. Rich Paul from Clutch Sports, one of the most renowned sports agents in the world if not the most renowned one he, he we all know he represents lebron ad whenever someone signs for clutch sports you're like oh there's a rich paw machine you know is he gonna go to the lakers he's gonna get paid he's gotten a lot of players played um he's one of the most renowned names out there every i feel like everyone that's in the nba scene everyone that follows the nba knows who rich paw is knows you know the uh rags to riches story of his he, he's there's a lot to be, you know, applauded for. He, he has a lot of things to be applauded for. But this one's this one's interesting because Nerlens Noel, he's one of those players that you think of when you think of players that left money on the table. Um, obviously, everyone's making jokes about Dennis Schroeder uh, turning down $84 million for the Lakers and, you know, getting the exemption with the with the Celtics, going from $84 million to, I believe, 5 or $6 million for one year. It's just crazy how much money he left. Oladipo is another one that's left money on the on the table. Um, 
Mohammed from the Timberwolves was another one. But Nerlens Noel, he he was another one. The the Mavs offered him eighty four million dollars, I believe, in twenty seventeen, and he turned it down. Um, basically, in this uh in this lawsuit, he's um he's claiming that Rich Paul didn't pay attention to him. He basically went down the pecking order of the players that he was representing, and he's saying that he gave him bad advice, and it cost him basically uh, $54 million. So he was offered a four-year, $70 million deal by the Mavericks, and um, Nerlens Noel rejected it because uh, Rich Paul told him not to. Um, and then after that, he didn't play that well the next year. And basically, he never saw another offer like that. He never basically he was shorter before shorter in, in simple terms. But I think shorter betted on himself. I don't know if his agent told him. I haven't read up on it too much. But I think shorter was the one that was like, "Nah, I'm worth more than this." In Noel's case, it feels it looks like it was Rich Paul, the one that was consulting him, telling him that he was a hundred million dollar player that he and he should not take that offer, and it cost him. Um, he ended up uh, signing a one-year, one-year qualifying offer for four point one million dollars, and he broke his thumb that season. He only played forty-two games. His numbers dropped, and he didn't resign with the Dallas Mavericks. Ended up with OKC and league minimum three point seven million dollars as a backup. And after that, he went to the Knicks. Last year, he actually played really good with the Knicks, and I think he earned himself some money. Uh, uh, let me look it up real quick. I should have had this. I apologize, but let's see. I think he, yeah, three years, $27 million. So good for him. He finally got some of that money. Uh, not the same as what he would have gotten before uh, without Rich Paul, but he did get his money. And when does that expire? He's a free agent in 2024. So good for him. He should, he's making, he's making money, obviously not the money that he was trying to make, but He's suing Rich Paul, so this is a, this is a crazy story to follow because Rich Paul, obviously, he he's it's a rack to riches story, and, and he's he's on the rich side right now, so he, he's probably gonna have a lot of you know lawyers. He's gonna have a lot of people backing him up. He's gonna have a strong team behind him. Nerlens Noel, I mean, he's coming with some facts. I, I do remember him turning down that that offer back in the day, and Noel claims that in the lawsuit that Clutch didn't make him a priority when he was a free agent wasn't responsive to teams looking to sign him as a free agent and failed to execute a multi-year deal with the thunder that he was told was in the works Noel separated with paul last season after signing with the knicks so yeah so basically just saying there was a lot lot of negligence there was a lot of you know disinterest from rich paul he was basically it was like lebron ad bunch of other players a gap you know, Rich Paul's a shoe guy, the Lechero, the Carnicero, and then another gap, and then Nerlens Noel. That's basically what he's saying. He was like, I was I was down in the pecking order. You didn't really care about me. You didn't take me as your client seriously. And in the NBA, when, you know, your agent's supposed to be on top of things. He's supposed to be the guy that it's working for you, is working to get money, is working to getting you paid. You're supposed to be able to be a player that just focuses on the game. You shouldn't have to worry about, you know, reading a contract, calling calling teams, looking to get you signed, looking to get yourself money. Like, there is cases of players representing themselves, but for the most part, players like to have their agent do all the talking. 
so that they could just focus on their game. So if Nerland Small is right, he's able to prove this. We'll see. I don't think they specified him out for how much he's doing it, but this is this is a crazy story, man. I I'm gonna follow it. I think everyone should. It's it's crazy because he's going against Rich Paul Clutch Sports. And if he wins, if Nerlens Noel wins this case against Rich Paul from Clutch Sports, probably the biggest agent in the game today and the biggest, you know, sports agency in the game right now, then I wonder if it will lead to more people trying to sue their agents and it will, what kind of rift that would bring in the agent to player, you know, relationship. Will we'll Shorter look at this and be like, oh, my agent did the same thing with me. Like, what, what's going on here? Will other players do that? Will Old Depot? There's a lot of stories where you see players leave a lot of money, bet on themselves, or someone advises them to bet on themselves, and it doesn't work out for them, and they're done. They don't even end up in the league anymore, or you know they, they play for minimum, and they fizzle out. Good for Nolan Snowell, because I thought he was going to fizzle out for a little bit, but he was able to get himself a role, and he looked good with the Knicks last year, so I'm happy for him. But this is just interesting. It's interesting to see where this is going to go. Uh, what do you guys think? Who do you guys side with? Are you guys with Rich Paul? Are you guys with Nerlens Noel? Somewhere in the middle? You don't care? Let me know. I'm kind of leaning like, I, I think Nerlens Noel might have a case because Rich Paul does look like he he uh, he covets like like the big, big stars. Like if we were to talk about 2K, like if you're a 90 plus overall player, that those looks like the players that Rich Paul usually represents. But for Nerlens Noel, you know, being like a, a 78 to 82 rated player in 2K, uh, he might have been, you know, in the back of his of his list. But we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Definitely something to keep an eye out going forward. <coughs> We're two weeks into the Premier League and Chelsea have been dominant. Beating Crystal Palace 3-0, beating Arsenal 2-0 at Arsenal, and now they play against Liverpool this weekend. I'll touch on that in a little bit, probably make another episode before um, the game on Saturday, but I just want to touch on Chelsea. Chelsea looks dominant. They look very, very powerful going forward, and now they have Lukaku playing up there, scoring, getting on the score sheet, being dominant, being that big player that that we all have you know, seen him grow up throughout the years. He's always had that body that he just throws on anybody he has his strength he's he's a menace in the box he's a menace you know as a postman and now he's he's just lethal he's one of the best number nines in the world and for Chelsea to add him to the already the Champions League winners of last year is just incredible I uh, I find myself rooting for Chelsea I find myself finally watching them games and being very very entertained Thomas Tuchel has Chelsea running rampant right now they're probably one left back and one center back away from being the best team clearly in Europe. And it's just that team is so stacked. That team is deep. Um, you look at their subs last week against Arsenal, bringing Conte in from the sub, uh, a Ballon de Oro finalist, a Ballon de Oro contender to bring him from the bench already up to, oh, I believe the, the score was when he came in. Kovacic playing good. Giorgino playing probably the best soccer right now. He's he's in a good form. Mount Havertz, Lukaku. It's just this team just looks very, very solid. Thiago Silva, Conte, Werner, Suma, Hudson Adore, Chilwell, CH, all in the bench. Like Chelsea looks very, very intimidating, if I'm if I do say so myself. 
Um, Thomas Tuchel has Chelsea playing some very organized, very, you know, simple, simple at times, but very organized and just everyone knows what they're doing. Everyone has a role and they do it to a teeth. And I like what I'm seeing. Uh, I picked them to win the Premier League. And after two weeks, um, nothing really that I have seen has changed my mind. Obviously, I'm impressed by how West Ham is playing. Good job for them. Um, they look like they're gonna be there. They're gonna be another. They're gonna be another team that um, you know fluctuates from one to six. But I feel like they're gonna be there till the end of the season. I think I ranked them too low on my rankings. Um, they've done great stuff in this first two games, and you know Liverpool have looked good too. That Chelsea versus Liverpool game is gonna is gonna be amazing. It's gonna be electric. Uh, Tottenham two for two with Nuno. Manchester United, you know, they tied this week, so they dropped some points. City lost the first week, but they they look good. 5-0 win against Norwich this week. Some good stuff, some good stuff from the other teams, but Chelsea, for my money, they've been the most impressive team through two weeks. They're the most complete team. They have a great manager who knows what he's doing, He who is not afraid to, you know, change things up. It looks like he, he has the whole locker room together. Because everyone seems pretty happy from what I could tell. And they're enjoying their football. They're enjoying their soccer right now. And I'm just happy for Chelsea. Shout out to all my Chelsea friends, all my Chelsea fans out there, people that listen to this. You get, it's a good time to be a, a blue. It's a good time to, you know, London is definitely blue right now. And shout out to Chelsea. They could go, they could realistically go for everything this year. They could go for the FA. They could go for the league. They could go for Champions League repeat. That team is stacked, barring injuries. Chelsea is a team to look out for, and for any team, even even PSG, who is stacked right now and is the heavy favorites for the Champions League. Chelsea's coming, man, and you know transfer window still open. There's still some stuff that could happen, um, namely Mbappe to Real Madrid. If that happens, that kind of levels the playing field a little bit uh, for everyone else trying to compete against PSG. But we'll see what happens. But Chelsea, like I said, I, I they beat Arsenal handily. Like I, I think they dominated that game. Uh, Crystal Palace didn't have a chance against them. I think they're going to beat Liverpool at Anfield this weekend. And we'll see. We'll see. But you, what do you guys think? Who do you think has been the most impressive team in these first two match days? As a Wolves fan, I could tell you that it's not the Wolves. Um, there's a lot of goals that the Wolves are leaving on the field. Uh, they won today in the in the cup against Nottingham Forest 4-0, so maybe the goals will come. The Manchester United game this weekend should be electric too. I'll probably do a preview on that. That's going to be a good one. Um, but the Premier League is back, you guys. We're two weeks in. It's starting to move. It felt like it was just not like yesterday that the league was starting and we're already almost in match day three. So things move quickly. I apologize for not too many videos on the Premier League. I should be ramping them up as the league keeps going forward. But so far, uh, my predictions, I think they're they're going all right. I had Wolves finishing in the top 10, and they've yet to score a goal. So that one's looking a little ugly. But for the champions, like I said, I predicted Chelsea to win in a close one. It's going to come down to the wire, in my opinion. I think uh, it's going to end up in the low 80s to mid 80s. But Chelsea have, you know, I'm not worried about Chelsea's after two weeks is basically what I'm trying to say. And they look solid. They look like legit, legit title contenders. City, you know, they, they had a hiccup in week one, but I think they'll be there too. 
Manchester United. We'll see if they're able to stack some wins. This game against Wolves is going to be key for United too because Wolves haven't scored a goal and they've lost two games in a row to start the season, but they have not played bad. So there's a silver lining for us Wolves fans out there. So we'll see how United responds or plays against Wolves in uh, Molyneux. But like I said, Chelsea is my favorite to win the title. And I think they're going to beat Liverpool. I touched on that game a little bit more. But I just wanted to reemphasize that Chelsea is the team to beat in the Premier League. Lukaku is going to make a lot of defenses pull their hair out. And they're just playing very organized, very compact football right now. They have yet to concede a goal. And they might not even concede to Liverpool. They're playing that solid. Tuchel has them playing excellent football. But what do you guys think? Who do you, guys, who do you think is the best team after two weeks? Is it Tottenham? They've won two in a row. Is it West Ham? They look great on Monday, um, defeating... Leicester four one. That was that was a unexpected score in my opinion. They play Crystal Palace next. We'll see how they keep going. Is it Liverpool? They look pretty good too. And don't want to not mention Liverpool. Brighton surprisingly two 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 for two six points. Um, but yeah, in Man City five zero. Wait, great way to bounce back after losing a Tottenham. Who's the best team after two weeks? That's the that's the question of the day. For my money, it's Chelsea. For, for you guys, it might be different, but let me know who do you guys think has been the best team after two weeks. But that should do it for this episode of the Hearts Handle Sports Podcast. We had a lot of good topics today. The Alexander Severev quickly becoming one of my favorite tennis players. He's my prediction. Hot take for the U.S. Open. Um, Jacksonville Jaguars, hopefully for Trevor Lawrence. You know, he has enough weapons and he doesn't miss Etienne too much. Chris, um, Rich Paul against Nerlens Noel, crazy, crazy stuff. And for the first two weeks in the Premier League, I think Chelsea has been the best team in the Premier League. Let me know what you guys think about all my opinions. Please feel welcome to tweet at me um, and uh, reply to the YouTube video, wherever you're watching this. Just let me know what you guys think and tune in for the next episode. I'm going to dive into the Chelsea versus Liverpool. I'm going to get my prediction on that. I'm going to probably do a Wolves versus um, United prediction. And we'll follow their uh, Nerland Snow situation. We'll see how that does. But that should do it for this episode of the Heart to Handle Sports Podcast. Make sure to subscribe and have a great rest of your day.